Hey, it's Candace and Katie. Now it's time to get on the fridge. That's a couch. Oh my goodness. We got a couch. Real grown up. Uh, so it's a monsooning. So I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if the audio is going to be great. I don't know if the internet's going to cut out, but we're going to do what we can. Do you hear that? No. It's insane. Also, I'm really scared because Neil went up the mountain and he's not down the mountain and it's monsooning. Oh no. Neil probably found like a little spot to tuck into. I feel like. Neil's like that, you know. He's good at tucking. Also, I'm eating a Hot Pocket. Nice. A really hot. That's in the name. That makes sense. Dude, serious question. How did... Does Neil have a car? Like, do you guys just share your car? No, we both drove. Oh, you drove separately and just followed each other? Okay. I was going to say, logistically, I was trying to make sense of it. You pulled one, or, like, if you rented a little trailer? No, it ended up, like, renting a trailer or something. It really wouldn't have been that much more cost-effective, because my van already only gets 18 miles to the gallon. So then adding that, like, his car gets really good gas mileage. It was a pain in the ass. I had both of the cats, and he had all of the plants. That's probably about all he can fit in that car. You would be surprised, because it's a hatchback. We, like, oh, really? Yeah. Why does it have a hatchback? No, that was the one reason, like, we were really into that car, which like the hatchback I mean, makes also it difference. looks awesome. It's also really cool. <laughs> I always think back to that time when we were like bridesmaids dress shopping, and I was sitting at that light, and I was like, "What the fuck is this person driving?" That's and my then boyfriend. we got the store, and I realized that was Steve's car. It's like, oh, I know that person. That person is my friend. <laughs> yep. It was really great because we were in Denver for a couple of days last week, and it's Broncos color. The amount of, like, thumbs up and hooting and hollering as we drove that car around was insane. You know, you deserved it. Also, that we always get compliments it. from people in the, like, drive through windows. Like, with bad tats and the Taco Bell drive. That's there every time. That's not surprising because that's probably who modified that car to look like that. It was like oh, yeah. with some guy fail, who worked at Taco Bell. Every time, if it's a dude working at the drive through window, hey man, nice car. Also, <laughs> no one expects it to be white people in there. Like, people are always <laughs> doing double takes at me and Neil being in that car. Who do you think they expect most? Like, Mexicans? Yes. I mean, we bought it from a Hispanic man. Yeah, that makes sense. I wasn't sure if I was thinking Asian or Mexican, if I was getting stereotypical. I mean, this is very stereotypical, but whatever the stereotype is, it's not white people. <laughs> That's accurate. That is a fair point. Right, Are I'm you pulling out my, records? I'm putting this Kenny Rogers record away so I can put my feet up on the chair. Nice. If I say choose. <sighs> so... We're back, baby. We are back. It's been a long time. I've got notes. Oh, good. I'm glad someone's prepared. I feel like my life's been in such upheaval lately that I'm just like, 
don't even know. Someone suggested this book by presidential candidate Andrew Yang that I've been reading. Um, yeah. I like I'm it. literally in the first chapter. Do you see how it's the, I t- I've highlighted everything. It's li- well, I, I'm 10 yeah. pages in. Holy crap, yeah. It's, I honestly, I was like, me and my mom are starting to do this book club, movie club exchange, and I jokingly looked at me, I was like, what if this is the book I recommended, and laughed, but I'm going to recommend it to you, and I've been recording this whole time, so I'm going to recommend this to the listeners. I don't think that necessarily his ideas would work 100%, but as he is talking directly to the middle class, like, working American, and the stuff he is saying is interesting and scary and like but he's speaking to the people I'm speaking to like literally I told you I'm 10 pages in and this will probably be what I get in the fridge about forever until I'm done with it but because of automation and stuff so like in the advent of self-driving cars it's predicted that within the next 10 to 15 years 2 million Americans will lose their job because of self-driving cars yeah because of like truckers and stuff did you know that truck driving like being a truck driver is the most common occupation in 26 states that's more than half that's really impressive I did not know that yeah but it's not gonna be in 10 to 15 years and this whole book and like his whole thing is about the market is adapts to be as efficient as it can be you know I don't Mm -hmm. know I'm just saying I'm 10 pages in I can't give you a full review of it yet but you should as someone who's like interested in the world around them it's just I think you should read it might do that or or listen to it or something because I I haven't been following, admittedly, the Democratic debates that closely just because there's like 4,000 people mm-hmm. in them, um, and I kind of want the, the herd to thin a little bit. But I've been like, you know, trying to take in information as it comes. Yang is one that intrigues me a little bit because he at least comes from a place of like some common sense, and I, I don't know that I totally am going to agree with everything that he um, proposes but I don't think or anything you're like that. To agree but with everything, you know. Yeah, well, exactly. I'm just saying, someone recommended, like, Jared recommended this book to me, because um, he's like, this, I read this this summer, this is your practice, you have to read it. Yeah. I didn't realize how relevant the work I was making was until I started this, and again, I'm 10 pages in, but the thing, too, about him is he is a businessman, and I feel like we have a businessman as the president now, but the businessman we have as a president now is very much dealing with the 1%. And his entire thing is he, like, he's a businessman, but he helps startups. Like, that's what he does. He's interested in that. I don't know. Anyway, that was a huge rant that I wasn't planning on going on, but the book was right here. And we all like learning on this podcast. You said that you weren't planning on it, but you just grabbed that book out of like the edge of the screen and brought it in. Well, it like, was, it's because I'm reading like, it right like now. Like this was Oprah's book club. <laughs> this is the Get On The Fridge book club. I'm just saying, and I think... I don't know, we talk a lot about how um, polarized this country is and things, and I just think it's important to be informed, and I think we're scared of change, but I just think if you're, especially if you're a millennial, if you're in our generation and you live in middle America or part of the working class or the people who raised you are or the people you love and care about, it's a scary book to read, but I think it's important. Anyway, Candace, you should read it, mainly because I want to talk about it with someone I've told Neil to read it too I wish I could make my mom read it mom when you listen to this be (laughs) open-minded and get Andrew Yang's book I'm not telling you to vote for him I just think it's important yeah no I was gonna say that's I'll probably listen to it I mean the election's so far away anyway that I'm not guaranteeing any my vote's very unsaid at this point I I very well might get get it as an audiobook or maybe even as a real book it would be 
dig Let into it because it yeah, I mean that's I think that's the side of I don't know. That's the side of of the I don't know if I want to say liberal or like the democratic movement that like I feel like I at least need to understand. Like that's the part that could actually be relevant. The all the debate stuff where it, it turns into just a big, you know, who can be more woke kind of a thing. Like I don't have time for that I think because the Democratic and Republican parties need to be abolished. Like I just think we need a fresh oh, start because well, when you I hear, honestly really agree. When yeah, you hear either of those words, they're so rooted in so much like jargon and stereotypes and all these things that when I don't know, you hear either of those words, you're just like so polarized that. No one actually knows what either of those parties stand for. And most people in either of those parties are way more in the middle. And that's mm-hmm. one thing he was talking about, too. Like, this guy, hello, he is a liberal, but he is a businessman. He's not against capitalism. He just is in this book. And that's why I think it would be really important for, like, especially conservative people to read. He's not about, he's not against capitalism. He's just talking about how capitalism needs to change if the middle, like the working and middle classes are going to not be left in the dust. And so he's a capitalist. There you go. Right. Wingers, Andrew Yang, yeah. the capitalist. Yeah. Who no, also exactly. believes this in got socialism. really, really deep for just, the I'm beginning. sorry. I just, school has started. I'm thinking about my thesis, which has to do with this. I just taught, I literally just lectured for three hours yeah, and she's ready to do three more, everybody. So yeah. sit back. I, anything you want to know, call it. I wish we had a hotline. <laughs> we should get a hotline. I guess that was my get in the fridge for today. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I don't know if I have a get in the fridge for today, honestly. I didn't. I forgot how this works. It's been a while. <laughs> We've been gone so long. Hey, everybody, we're back. <laughs> Well, I the thing that I did the most preparing for was the uh, Amazon rainforest being on fire and discussion of that. So should that be my get in the fridge? Yeah, why not? Let's just talk about it. Yeah, so let's the talk Amazon about the world burning. It's still on fire, um, and I, I I saw the news last week sometime, and I thought, wow, that's really sad and horrible. Um, but I didn't think much more of it, which is kind of awful, but it's true. I'm just going to say that. Um, and then you made the comment that it was because of agriculture. And I was like, I got to dig into this because it's honestly possible that I would say us in Brazil are like the two egg powers in the world. Like we're well, both I very efficient. Say, we both have- what I mentioned to you was that I mean, this is the first time I've really, and I'll get into this more too, but it's not like, I mean, normally when we talk about like meat being bad, it's like, oh, it takes, you know, like carbon monoxide farts and like poo and like it takes all of these resources and this stuff. But like, this is just like a totally different thing. Brazil is is a power and Brazil has been growing really exponentially. Like the U.S. I think has been on a pretty steady incline of like, increasing yields and and having to use less land because more land gets developed but continuing to make more product on less animals and less land and blah 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 like we talk about that all the time because that's what technology has done for us i think that brazil has gotten to the point now where they're using the same technology we're using um they just weren't using it not that long ago is kind of my understanding of it so they've just really really excelled um, which is which is great because we're going to have a lot of people in this world that need fed, um, and you know the population, especially in countries like China and you know just countries with billions of people, are a 
having more money and able to buy more food, better food, and B, just generally growing. You know, China's growing a lot faster than it used to because they don't have to get rid of all their girls in their families. That's an ideal. Um, but, so I was like, okay, honestly, like it could be that it's, it's an ag issue. And so naturally I Googled it and every article that came up was from the Hill or the Atlantic or Vice or all these like kind of just clickbaity uh, news sources. And I was like, I don't like this. Like I would much rather even like a CNN, you know, I don't love CNN. I think that they have a way of um, not telling the whole story sometimes too, but like at least they're a semi-legitimate in my mind, you know, or everything that I read was like, it's speculated that this is because of agriculture. It was very like, there was, which I mean, I understand that it's the beginning of a fire that's going to burn for a month. Uh, but I just wanted the other side of the story. And so I didn't find anything. And then somebody shared a YouTube video from a professor. His name is uh, Marcos Feva Neves. I think, I think that's a V. My handwriting might be wrong. I'm sorry if I was wrong. He, I'm assuming, is in their, their ag college in Sao Paulo. But, you know, he said in the beginning, he said, I made this video because like personal friends and, you know, just people that I know around the world keep reaching out to me, like, what the hell's going on? Um, you know, is this an ag thing? Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I just want to, based on what I know, like, he's like, it's a dry season. If there was controlled burning happening, this would probably be when it would get done anyway, just because it's effective. But between that, accidents, illegal fires, stuff like that, you know, he's like, it's easy for something to get out of hand if it wasn't planned. But then he got into some stuff that I thought was really interesting. And I mean, I'm definitely not saying that ag's not maybe partially to blame, but he said that Brazil, like 61% of their country is protected from any agricultural use. So, and the Amazon is like most of that. So it's, it's illegal. And he said it's, it's like state by state on how much, has to be protected. So basically how it works is like, as a farmer, you're only allowed to farm a certain percent of land at a time. So if you want to get into some new ground, like if you, you know, just want to let this regenerate and jump on something new and like burn it down and work in it, or you have to let this other part sit, you have to have a certain percent that's always sitting. Not something we do at all. There's a program called uh, I don't know what this initial stands for. It's CRP, and it's something. It's conservation something, but it's basically a, a program through the government that you can leave acreage lie for you know like 10, 20 years, something like that. I think you have to sign into a certain period of time and just let it overgrow, um, and then they'll pay you a stipend to do that. So I mean, I just but, think it has to be. It has to be different though, like that. Like, it's the rainforest and we're so separate from it. And this is where like, I think globalization can be a good thing when other people step in and it, and I, I don't think that legally all of this is burning. I do think it was illegal. I do think that it was probably like foul play. And I do think that like greed was involved. We know that the president is like very like right winged and um, pro deforestation and all of these things. And I'm not out saying, all farmers are bad and this, that, and the other. And I think it probably did get out of hand. But the truth of the matter is 
that is literally the lungs of the planet is the Amazon. Like that it's like here it's, I think it's more of an issue than like letting the ground like here, like, okay, you can't touch this land, but letting the ground um, regenerate itself so that more crop or more animal can be grown or tended on it. Where there it's like, some of those trees are thousands of years old. Like that's not going to regrow in 10 years. Like I think, I think that agriculture is an issue too. Like it is important that we create food for people. Like I think, but I think that's a separate issue than the lungs of the earth burning. Like they are, they are overlapping here, but I think they're two important issues. But I think, yeah. I, I think Brazil is just a tricky spot because that's where the rainforest is. You know what I'm saying? And I think I'm sure most people are following the laws and the regulations put in place by the country, by their state, whatever. But just because there's laws and regulations doesn't mean people follow those laws and regulations. And I think that's where speculation happens. And a lot of this is speculation. And mm-hmm. even if it, you didn't mean to, like, burn down the rainforest, it's it's happening. It's still happening. I understand. I understand. But um, so anyway, so, yeah, state by state, you have to leave certain percents of, of the ground untouched or un, unutilized. The Amazon state, the state that that's in is 80% unutilized. So like for me, and, and again, like obviously this is my speculation. So this is the other side. Like, I don't think as a farmer, you're going in and trying to burn down part of the Amazon to run cows on it because that's like more problem than it's worth, honestly. And also there's a lot of like indigenous tribes that live in there and you're not allowed to touch their land. They own that. They deserve that and everything. And I just, to me, I mean, I'm sure it could fall back on agriculture some, and I'm sure they've got plenty of investigating to do. But I think that in Brazil, the farming is probably more heavily done away from the Amazon because they can't, you know, it's it's not like a bushy and, you know, pasture kind of stuff where you can kind of like mow it down, use it, and then let it regenerate. Like, you can't just let that regrow, you know, at, at the end of it. Farmers are all pretty much conservationists too, you know. I mean, there's a few that are, you know, just going to use shit up for what it's worth, but most of them don't stay in business very long because you own this piece of land and it's really hard to get new land when you already own this land, so most of them take care of it really well. And so that's where, for me, I have trouble thinking that this is a, let's go in and burn down the Amazon so we can feed more cows. Like there's other places where they feed cows. And he also said, and I wrote this down too, because I thought it was interesting that right now they're using like 75 million hectares, which is their version of an acre. I think it's like two or 2.2 acres. That's really not relevant. That's how much they use in agriculture. And the way that they're growing, their intent is that in 10 years, they'll be using 8.5 hectares. The whole country is 850 uh, million. I'm sure, you know, we're at least worth being a suspect, but I don't want that to be the narrative of it is, you know, that it's, that it's because of that burger that you're eating, that this is happening. And also he mentioned that quite a few of the photos that have been circulating, like, you know, he mentioned like Leonardo DiCaprio made a big deal and donated a bunch of money and this, that, and the other things. And like some of the photos that were attached aren't from now, you know, it's that like classic, he used the term fake news, which like we see all the time, but it's like, you know, well, that photo is from six years ago. And I hear everything you're saying, and I want you to be right. And I know that on both sides, it's totally speculation at this point. 
Um, and I want you to be right. I don't want it to be an agricultural. I mean, I don't want it to have happened. Like, who knows how it started? We're speculating. Yeah. But one thing you keep saying is most farmers follow these things. Most farmers. And I agree with you. I think most farmers are conservationists and most agriculture people, they do care for the land. And we've talked about this before. And I agree with that 100%. But the thing that sucks is it takes one person to not mm-hmm. follow that. And, you know, and we don't know. And I know we don't know. But I, I just can't. I don't know. Maybe I am more cold at this point than you but I feel like the older I get and like the more research I do into things and the way the world works and the more I hear about like greed and corruption all this stuff I feel like I I think there are a lot more there's a lot more greed and corruption in the world than we realize Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it's necessarily like it could have been a governmental thing. Like I don't I'm not putting the blame on the individual farmer, but I think Mm -hmm. that I mean, I think something happened. And I just think that most people, yeah, most agriculture people are good humans who follow the rules and regulations that are put there for good reason and do want to be conservationists. But most isn't everyone, you know, it just takes one shithead. Don't take everything for face value. So reading an art, you know, the whatever article headline from the vice was like, because, because they need people to click. It was like something about the burger that you're eating, you know, is the reason that Amazon reinforces is on fire or something like that. And, and whatever, you can read this whole article that basically says that that might be the reason or a reason, you know, there's probably like, there's like, I don't even remember how many different fires burning. Like there could be three or four different reasons on each of them. One thing to remember about this is, honestly, who gives a fuck how it started? The problem is it's happening, and it's still happening. And, I mean, yeah, I want to know how it started. I want to be able to clear names or figure that out. But at the end of the day, it happened. And what does that mean? What do we do? It's scary. It's It, it really scares me. And I think... I don't know. It's it's getting harder and harder to turn away from the fact that things are happening. And we're trying really hard. Like, how long was the Amazon burning before you even heard about it? You know, we try yeah. really hard not to pay attention. Mm-hmm. But eventually something's going to happen close enough to you that you're not going to be able to not pay attention anymore. Gabby and um, I write comics about about America, about the rural Midwest. Yes. There you go. Let's keep let's keep going into specifics about that. Please don't let Sabrina spill your beer Come on my here, laptop. Sweetheart. My cat Sabrina is excited to be here. Yes, yes. she's also she's guest. A, a guest host as well. A one-eyed guest host. Indeed, our first one-eyed guest host. <laughs> okay, so rural Midwest. Uh, what else are your comics about? Well, I think one of one of their central flaws is there are about too many things. No, it's it really is about place. So the contradictions in the Midwest are where I like to put the book. So the contradictions between drug addiction and religion, the contradictions between sexual repression and um, that just being like a hypocritical thing that nobody follows. Um, the, the contradiction between like being fat and also like that's supposed to make you... Um, chased but if everyone's fat how can they all be chased like these just these lies um about the branding of a cultural place and what my experience is in it and um 
what I always like to say about the book is that um, I was holed away in my childhood. Like, there were other kids on the street, but I wasn't allowed to play with them. There's, like, a definitive memory where my mom's like, she can't swim with the neighbor girl. She's going to get raped. Like, <laughs> like, oh, my God. But I don't think we were the only people in the neighborhood who were that afraid. Like, the other kids didn't, like, knock on my door. Like, can Gabby come play? Like, there was, n- you didn't see kids anywhere. Like, it was all about isolation and just, like, this, this strange fear. Also, drugs. Uh, well, I mentioned the drugs. They I must should, be I important, should though. Yes. I should, well, the drugs are important. Not only because I don't really address the opiate epidemic um, head on. As You're from much. Southern Ohio, I'm right? I'm from Southern Ohio. Okay, I think that's important to know. You yes. know, the tri the tri state area of Kentucky, Indiana, and yes. South Ohio. Yes. And uh, and my you know, for instance, I'm very close with my brother, and he's had at least eleven friends die of heroin. Like close friends that would come to the house. One of his friends is a heroin dealer and rides trains. So as much as that's, like, one degree separated from, from me, I was more interested in um, psychedelics, and so was my brother, and psychedelics were in the house. And um, I think the, the biggest thing that I want to do is um, talk in a new way that isn't just, like, a montage about, like, the psychedelic subculture. Not that I want everybody to do mushrooms, but I just want, I just think it's funny that we have nine, out, you know, if you talk to ten people, three of them are going to have beliefs that are heavily influenced by like the 70s and the the rise of psychedelics the satanic panic all that stuff is a part of our everyday but you don't see it anywhere it's a personal journey and the kids the kids think they're the only shamans in the world the kids no it's it's always interesting i think when you reach a point in your life where your parents aren't they're still your parents, but they, mm-hmm. they are not that, like, held up on a pedestal, perfect people. Mm-hmm. Like, you realize they've done things, they've lived lives, too. And I think that's when that cycle starts to break, where mm-hmm. you start to realize you're not the first generation who's tried things or thought things or experienced things. Mm-hmm. History's not over. No. And I think when you're, like, youth, right? When you're, like, in that magic age between, like, 16 and 21, you feel like you're the first people to have ever experienced anything, yeah. Or is that where your characters lie in that Absolutely. kind of age? Absolutely. But also, they, um, church is central. Church is central. My book is called The Fat Girl Love Club. And there's four volumes right so now. Right now. There's going to be six total. And I'm going to print it as a trade paperback black and white graphic novel. Hopefully next year. That'll be cool. But yeah, when in, especially in Christianity, because it's so funny. I feel like I have this conversation all the time with adults now. We're all saying something and I'll be like, oh, but you know, we shouldn't probably talk about that. And they're like, we're adults. We can talk about stuff. I'm like... I don't remember adults having that personality until now. Like, when did adults become not terrified of Satan? Like, like even even like my like my girlfriend's uh, mom like didn't let them watch Harry Potter, and now she's just like, I might get a Tinder. It's like, when did that change? Mm-hmm. It's not just becoming an adult. Maybe it is. Maybe maybe there's something about having a little kid in the house. I think that has to be yeah, part of it because that's I be part of it, right? Because I feel like even my relationship with my own mother, um, she, I mean, she was very much like, I'm not going to be a best friend parent, but now we have become closer friends because I'm an adult, and she said more than once, like, so I'm an only child. Me leaving the house and her and my dad becoming empty nesters, she's like, you spend so much of your time raising a kid that you have to figure out who you are again. Mm-hmm. And she's like, me and your dad have reverted. Like, and I made the joke that I'm like, we're the same age. Like, not that mm. her 
life yeah. experience don't feed into that, but they're very much like living like, you yeah. know, 25 year olds in the same say, well, way I am. The freedom to, you know, go and travel and do all the things that you can do when you're young. Right. And so and, I do think yeah. it's a shift. So maybe Amelia's mom, if Tinder was around, you know, would have always had Tinder, but she couldn't say it until, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just think it's this level of like what you can disclose because we as a society, I guess, like commonly agree that like you shouldn't like say the F word in front of your children and maybe you shouldn't like shoot up in front of your children and whatever these things are. It doesn't mean you're not still doing that but or you're not still saying the, that. The, yeah. But yeah. yeah, those it absolutely well, it gets yeah, broken. Yeah, sure. I just, one of my favorite memories and this friend heavily influences the protagonist in Fat Girl Love Club. I had this really sweet friend. She had horrible anxiety. She, uh, she's a wonderful person. She's doing great now, but um, her parents were a mess, you know, who's on and I went to her house, and they handed me a joint. I dropped the joint. I burnt my finger. I stepped on the chihuahua. And uh, then they, we were walking out the door, and they said, don't drink tonight. I was like, and they were watching Fox News. This man, this, this 60-year-old man just handed me a joint and said, don't drink. How and old were you? 16. Like, like, like the contradictions are abundant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think... Yeah, I just, I think this is a country of contradictions, and I don't think it yeah. matters what side of the fence you're on or where you're from. I think we are really critical of where, you know, like the Midwest in this place, because it's what we see. And I think you do heavily have unemployment tied to opioids and mm-hmm. things of that nature. Like, that just makes sense. And you, I mean, the other thing is, too, before unemployment ran rampant, like, people were doing back-breaking factory work or farm yeah. work, mm-hmm. which is how you get prescribed opioids, right? Absolutely. If your body's yeah. broken from the work you've done your whole life, that's how it gets in, and then you're unemployed, and you're still taking it, and it just turns into a whole cycle. Not to mention, like, the generational effects of, like, being the working class. My grandpa, you know, he's a master carpenter, but I mean... He had to drop out of high school, you know, like in the fifties, and it, like he had to support his like eight brothers and sisters in their mm-hmm. farmhouse. Like, yeah, and his attitudes about life are really pessimistic. He's right about everything. He's like, the rich that do this, the rich do You're that. You're right. Happy Gowie is not coming out tonight. <laughs> no, no, I'm not happy Gowie. Oh man, but those, but I mean, I think those personalities and those beliefs. You've read Hillbilly Elegy, I think. I yes. you read it. Yeah, I read it you read as well. it. Yes. It's so good. Yeah. J.D. Vance, man. He's, he wants to be president, you can tell. Yeah. Um, I'd vote for him. <laughs> I'd vote for J.D. But the, his whole thing was they teach you not to believe you can do things. They teach you not to believe you can be happy. They teach you to be angry instead of loving. Like, it's cultural. And that's really sad because they're not bad people, but culture does get passed down. It does. And I think a lot of it maybe isn't anger but acceptance because if you're in a mm. position where – because of where you fall socioeconomically that you really don't have a lot of control. And there is definitely some control. Like, people do make it out. But if you're taught to just accept things, like if you just go to trade school or do this, that, and the other, then you don't, you know, you're content with your life. You don't feel like there's more you can do. Or And, and I think some people truly are content. But I think a lot of it is acceptance. You are mm-hmm. taught to accept the cards you've been given. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's that's all my grandpa talks about. It's just like you can't change people, you can't change your life. And Is someone shooting off fireworks. I guess so. It's summer. At first, I thought that one of you had really bad gas, but then it kept <laughs> happening, I and then I just, just like machine gun parts over here. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about 
the books. So you talk about, mm-hmm. like, how you're inspired. What's kind of, I mean, you can buy these books from Gabby. That's how right. much are you selling them for? How can they buy them? They're $5 each, and they're on my website, and you can read them for free on my website, but I would appreciate it if you bought them. In paper. I have all four. Just they're saying. real pretty. They're they are pretty. They are very pretty. I make sure that they're pretty. <laughs> but the plot is such... And it started as a joke, and it was like, what would a girl who's sexually attracted to Jesus Christ be like? And that's a mean joke. And uh, it was a mean book for a long time, but then I, you know, I just kept writing it about my friends. And then it was a very compassionate book, and it was really interesting, you know. It wasn't a mean joke about Christians being stupid anymore, and it became exactly the opposite of that in a way. And it's just like, wow, the Christians have a lot going on. But essentially, it's about a girl who is completely isolated by her mother. Her mother's a hoarder, her mother's a criminal, and they're, they're the kind of evangelical that, like, they can't even talk to regular Christian kids. Like, they're, they're beyond. This is why you need to read the book Educated. Mm-hmm. And not to cut you off I'm from excited. that, but, like, it's that, but it's about this Mormon um, family. And it's, it's everything that I think you're dealing with in this particular culture, mm-hmm. but in isolated, like, Utah, Idaho, Absolutely. Mormon. And it's like, the same. It is. It's I an equivalent. I really think you would think it's interesting. The other thing I, I say is it's about a girl who um, who loves Jesus Christ, but it's also about the smelly kids in class. Like, they need a book. Who's ever, you know. That's very true. There's a few indie movies, and I want to write those indie movies. I want to be in there with them. Her mom goes to jail, so she has to go live with her grandpa, who is a um, a stoner and a conspiracy theorist. He, um, that's about right. She gets to the point because her mom ends up having to stay in jail, and she really didn't expect that. That she's angry enough that she'll try weed, and then when she's, you know, she's had some good loud, you know, she's thinking some religious thoughts. She gets, she feels like she understands Jesus better than she ever has. Now the good Christian girl is a weed girl, and it's a natural transition if you had, like I think. So then. Now she has one thing that she has in common with other kids. You know, she's never had anything in common with other kids. So she goes to her church group and she sees the, the one girl who's nice to her, the, the, the one black girl at school, um, runs off into the woods with this guy who um, defended her from a bully a couple weeks back. And so she's like, well, that's the one girl who's nice to me. I'm going to go check it out. She smokes weed with them. They become a great friend group. The little skinny guy, he's a prophet. There's a... You know, it's a triad. So you've got Jesus, you've got Mary Magdalene, you got Judas. They switch roles. So she becomes wild. She parties all the time. She, you know, she, but and she's constantly challenging her faith. Faith with Josh. Josh challenges her faith. And then um, the, the and it's about a friend group that dissolves. The friend group dissolves, and Becky, who's been alone all her life, would do literally anything to save her friend group. And she and she does, and it's it's a hard time. And that's where the drama is. In the in the plot in the plot that's and you don't get to know you yeah to that's it. you gotta you gotta find it on your own if you're gonna get there I will say I think as someone who is from this sort of place your characters are incredibly relatable in like a scary way that's the kind of way you don't want to relate to characters like you know what I'm saying like it, they bring out parts of yourself that you try to suppress or you don't want to think about and I think that's important I think that's like. So many people think of comics or graphic novels as, like, escapism, and I think yours are the exact opposite. It's forcing you to confront something head-on that you have been trying to escape from your whole life. That's exactly... I say it's not about escapism, it's catharsis. That's what it does. Because this is a... This is a... um, The only way out is through kind of book. 
because I just realized I wasn't getting over. Like, people at college are like, why are you still stuck in that place? And I'm just like, that place is still happening. These people are dying. These people mm-hmm. are, are really, really fucking sad, man. Some of them are fine. You always have to make the stipulation that some of them are fine. But it's a book about the Smelly Kids, and they're doing very badly. I mean, I think that's why, like, you and I got along initially, is I think so many people from small rural places go that decide to leave, the ones that decide to leave and go to college or whatever, so many of them immediately turn their back on those places because they think the only way to better themselves is to kind of go past that. And that's not true of everyone. Like, Candace yeah. went to college for I, I agriculture. Was, I was going to say, yeah, you guys kind of end up in a different a different place because everyone everyone that you went to college with that was from a rural place probably just wanted to get the hell out and stay right. the hell out kind of a thing. And maybe, you know, as time goes on, you have more of a connection to, like, the fact that that made you who you are and, and you want to, you know, I think both of you and your art are clearly, like, tapping into that a lot and kind of telling those stories, which is really cool. But, like, but like I went to college um, and I was an ag major, so a lot of kids that I went to college with wanted to go back to their hometowns, mm-hmm. whether they wanted to go home and help take over the family farm. They were from a small community and they wanted to work in a small community because that's what you do when you're an ag. You know, that was a totally different perception than you guys had that I had. The same issues exist. I mean, it's it's amazing how much, for me, um, I've been fairly involved in stuff with the Ohio Farm Bureau and they're having to discuss and like try to do things within the organization as far as lobbying with the opioid crisis because like it or not, you know, it might not be an agricultural issue, but it's an issue in the communities that you support and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And like, we need to discuss it and look at it as well. So even though like I didn't become friends with all the people that wanted to get the hell out of their hometowns, like the exact same realities exist. Yeah, for, absolutely. Yeah. And I think you're right. But I think a lot in art, it's like, okay, we came to this and we're turning our back. And I think you and I both were like, I don't understand how you can, because I think, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I think both of us love those people with all of our hearts. I think about them every day. And so Mm -hmm. how do you turn your back on the place that you love with everything you have is what made you who you are, the people you love more than anything in the world, but also that you look at and you see as so problematic and so overlooked and in such need of help. That's constantly my struggle, at least internally, is I'm like, how do I get to live this life where I got to leave and I get to go experience things and do things like it would be so unfair of me. It would feel like I am betraying them or turning my back on them to make art about anything other than those people. I feel similarly. And also I just don't, what what else would I have to say that's in my heart? I tell Amelia all the time because, because you know, I've had, you know, my, I wonder if like my grandparents are at home. We have a situation in my family that is like, miraculously beautiful and also just like it's and it's always the contradictions like my my cousin is um he's real 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 bad schizophrenic and you know something like crazy like 80 percent of schizophrenics live on the street but we have this land that we've had for four generations and he just we built him a little building he, he does not want to be in the house with the rest of us he wanted to have a little building we could do that he lives out there and and you know most of the time he's safe you know, like, that's beautiful. My grandparents live next door to me. My aunt lives next door to me. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then, like, both of my aunt and my mom married abusive men, which is not beautiful. Right. And, and so I couldn't stay. I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I want to. I tell Amelia all the time. It's like, I want to be with my grandparents. I want to be with my friends. But I know what it is. 
and I'm happy here. And I'm, you know, I feel disloyal. All of your family lives within five miles of each other. I was going to say that's all very relatable for me because, especially in my my dad's side of the family, everyone lives kind of within a, a couple blocks, few blocks. Country blocks, yeah. not like city yeah, blocks. Like, like a few <laughs> square miles. Um, yeah. For a long time, they referred to my Aunt Bobby as the one who moved away, and she's like, probably a 10 minute drive you know what i mean like yeah. and she was the, she was the one that really she moved out you know? she really stuck she really it got away from here you know and it's it's and i mean and i i relate to that too where it's you know i i like where i'm at but it is really weird to be you know like out of a loop almost on everything like they're all within you know a stone's throw oh yeah and i and i am the only one who's left and and my mom always is just like well why do you feel guilty? And it's like, you know, I can't help at all. Not that I, you know, I absolutely would. I just had, I just had to. Yeah. I think you get to a point too where you need to, it's so easy to be trapped into something that's not healthy for you mentally by guilt. So do you make it back quite a bit or? I used to go like every two weeks, but it, it's, it's so stressful anymore. My dad throws fits it's, and it ruins my mood for a whole week, but the therapy is making it not as bad. Nice. Yeah. Therapy is good. Everyone should go to therapy. I firmly believe yeah. that. Yeah. I just read, like, a tweet or something today that was, like, you know, it was, like, boomers. She's in therapy, I heard. And then it was, like, millennials. Hey, you guys, my therapist told me this crazy thing today. And it's, like, that's so true. Like, that used to be such a, like, taboo. Like, well, she had to, she had to go to therapy and whatever. And now it's, like, I feel like. I hear people, like, people that I know that are in therapy or, like, you know, yeah, podcast. I, I listen to several podcasts mm-hmm. where they talk about, at some point, what my therapist said comes up, and it's, like... It's free therapy. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to go to therapy now. You I mean, it's me. such a good you change that that's the thing that happens. I think, like, yeah. stereotypically, you think of therapy as, like, oh, couples therapy, or you go there when something's wrong instead of as, like, a preventative yeah. thing, you know? I, I, and I'm it should be preventative. Yeah. They, I was listening to this book about psychedelics. Um, and they were saying about the other things we didn't have two generations ago. Women used to get tranquilized during birth because they didn't want to be connected to that process. Now women give births in pools and shit in their living rooms. Literally shit in their living rooms. Used to, like, 90% of people died in the ICU. Now we have, like, hospice, which is a stock good. Everybody loves hospice. Mm -hmm. We're really getting in touch with ourselves, and a hope that I have is at some point there won't even, like, be therapy because there'll be so much a part of the culture Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you see that, especially if you listen to the damn celebrities talk to each other. But I mean, that's a that's a community that's empowered. Yeah, you recognize what's happening. You know the one thing that will help because each in mental illness, the only thing that helps it is the one. It's is the path for that thing. I just can't imagine living in a society, and I know this is like always how it was, where mental illness is something you can't speak of or treat or yeah. even talk about, like. I know the shit going on in my head. I can't even imagine if I had to, like, file that all up. No wonder women were hysteric. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, of course she has yeah. hysteria. Like, there's, I mean, there's still a lot of, when it comes to mental health, there's still a lot. And maybe it's oh, just. Oh, yeah, but it is the, getting better. I was going to say, maybe it's just the world that I exist in again. But, like, egg is the worst about not talking about things because you look at a group of people who are just hard asses by nature. And so when something's wrong you don't want to talk to anybody about it because that would show that you have feelings and you can't have feelings. That's ridiculous. And, and, uh, you know, and, and it's a tough, you know, it's, it's been a tough few years, um, economically, but even when 
um, prices are high and stuff, it's still a really tough business. I mean, there's so many things you don't have control over and there's just, there's, yeah, there's so many variables. And for a lot of people, if it's like a multi-generational thing, like you've always got the pressure of my dad, my grandpa, my great grandpa farmed here. And what if I'm the one that loses it and that sort of a thing. And like, that's, that weighs on you. That sucks. And like, but nobody will talk about it. And that's where like, the farm suicide rate has been like two times the national average. I hate that. And it's yeah, and it's so it's so like terrifying, and it's and it's still one of those things that like last last year I guess in the spring, uh, milk milk has just like the milk price has been horrible. It's finally like almost something you can look at and not cringe, but it's been really bad. And um, some of the um, the places that buy um, buy milk or like the milk is shipped to started putting, like, suicide hotline letters into the mm-hmm. into the milk checks, which I think some of the farmers took as, like, a slap in the face. Like, it was, like, sure. it was like, wow, my milk check sucks so bad that you're afraid I'm going to kill myself, you know? Like, kind of, like, what the, what the hell is that? And, but it was one of those things that, like, if one farmer opened that and thought, huh, yeah, yeah. I've been feeling really shitty, or, you know, bulletin board in the office tacked it up there, and one of his employees that's been, you know, everything's been going wrong. Or, like, whatever. Like, if it helped one person, it was worth printing them all off. Absolutely. Like, that's just, I mean, and it's it's such a, but it's such a stigma. And it's such well, so a much different. So that's a gendered stigma, too. I mean, when you mm-hmm. think about, like, thinking about something like agriculture and I think, it, like, factory work as being primarily man's work. Like, we teach boys that they can't have emotion or can't show emotion or things like that and I think that feeds over into you know careers that are more yeah male leaning or male dominant I don't know they have farmers only I feel like they can have farmers therapy too well actually there's um there's a lady in in Canada in Saskatchewan Canada who um I think she's just you know struggled with like anxiety and depression and stuff like that and um, her whole family farms and, and they're just, you know, she's kind of watched all this. And so she, she's sort of a head hunter. Her name is Leslie Kelly and she's really cool. And she, uh, it's called do more ag. And it's sort of just like her and other people with similar stories going out and talking about how like, yeah, they were on farms and they had, you know, mental struggles. They have anxiety or they have depression and, and they have these horrible times where, like, it just feels like there's nothing they can do right and whatever. And, like, if you go to speak somewhere, you know, there might be some people sitting in the audience that had never thought of it like that, that are like, oh, yeah, I have those, you know, insurmountable feelings and whatever. And, yeah, that all sounds really familiar. And so, yeah, it's another thing where, like, you never know, you know, whose life you're going to, you know, change or whatever. And and I think, you know, I mean, I'm – I really like Twitter. I'm I'm on – Twitter, but that's probably my social media of choice. I guess. Follow us at if get I, on the fridge underscore. But like I Gabby see, <laughs> I see more and more of like um, farmers or you know people that work on farms or just people that work in ag just tweeting about like right now everything sucks. You know, like this is all going wrong, or you know, I have really bad bad anxiety, and right now you know this this and this happened, and now I'm freaking out and whatever. And it's like. That's really vulnerable That's for, for you know, for anybody, really. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for all these, like, random strangers you don't know that follow you. But it's another thing where, like, you never know who is, like, huh, I follow so-and-so and they seem really cool. And, 
huh, I have feelings like that too, and I, that must be kind of normal, and like, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not the worst for it. For as much as we harp on social media, it does have yeah. a good it has presence its, as well. That's exactly, like, it has its moments where you're like, what the, what the hell? <laughs> what is this world? What have we created? You know, and I think in some situations it makes people so vapid and stuff, but I think what I like about Twitter is I think, like, Instagram has to be pretty, and Facebook is all your family, so you don't want to look like you're too much of a mess, right? <laughs> but, like, Twitter is just, like, words, and it's just, like, people being, like, honest, I feel. You know, like, it's jokes, too, but it's, it's like... It's weird how honest you yeah. get, because I, like, try to be guarded, but I started doing Twitter, like, a month ago, and I'm yeah. just, like, saying shit. Yeah. And exactly. <laughs> you're like, I didn't know I felt... Yeah. It is, it's kind of like therapy. For a long time, Twitter was the only one that I didn't have on private, and it's also the one that I'm most likely to say something, like, you me know, in, inappropriate or whatever out of, like, anyone could just Google me and find that really easily, but that's fine. Like, you know, I keep it, I keep it okay enough, I guess, but it's just, like... <laughs> this is, oh my god, my, okay, this is a story. Sad story, sad story, sad story. Here's where we get in. This guy had died, <laughs> my schizophrenic cousin, and this one of the symptoms of schizophrenia is they can be really angry. They aren't all the time, but they can get mad. And uh, he was tweeting that my old boyfriend who died was retarded. And um, and I was offended by that. I felt that it was hurtful. <laughs> as, as you should have been. So I messaged him privately on Twitter and I said, I know you've got schizophrenia. I give you a lot of leeway. Please stop calling my boyfriend retarded. He was a really sweet guy. And he was just like, Yeah, real, you're all the time saying I'm crazy. I looked at your Twitter. Your Twitter don't make no sense. I think you might be crazy. <laughs> and then I looked at my Twitter. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I think that should be your new Twitter bio. <laughs> I look at your Twitter. I think you might be crazy. Whoa. <laughs> oh, he's usually like the sweetest guy ever. <laughs> Where can they find you on Twitter to see if his theory is right? At Gab Betts. <laughs> he is right. Another kid, the troll of my school, he was like a Nazi. He was, you know, he was literally or figuratively, because it's important in today's no, day and age. No, he's he's full on. I don't know if he wants everybody to know, but he was. Well, don't say his name. We can talk about no, him being a troll. No, he was the troll. furthest to the right. He was very cruel, and I like, totally see why. Like, his childhood, like, he was the weird kid. He got bullied harsh. But he did not handle it well. Anyway, I was going through my I'm going to smoke weed all the time phase, which I don't think we should. I think if you're smoking weed all the time, you need to have a little talk with yourself. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You probably should probably talk about talk that. And I was tweeting, and he said to me, um, I'd like some of whatever drugs you're on. <laughs> they are always right when they bully you a little bit. There's <laughs> always something there. Goddamn Twitter. <laughs> so, before we transition, because I know Candace really wants to talk to you about your employment yes, status, yes. is there anything else you want to tell us about Fat Girl Love Club? It's funny. As much as I've made it sound fat, sad, it's very funny. If you're into um, the atheist move- movement from 2008 and all the, the nice logical arguments that were so enjoyable at that time, there's nice throwbacks to that. 
it's also just like beautifully done. So it is a I don't even know if we said it's it is a comic, but um so they're illustrated too. Is one of them's in color, isn't it? Yes, the fourth one is uh well actually the third one I have issues in color and the th- I think they're both pretty. But they're just really beautifully done and also every cover is done by a different artist too. So she mm-hmm. has guest artists do the cover. Mm-hmm. They're just they're really beautiful. So we'll post a picture. I will actually I'm going to take a picture of them on my phone right now so I can post them to Instagram Yay! for people. Um but yeah, so Candace, Lise, you tell, you get in here. I know you have a lot to say. Yes. Well, uh, what was it? A, a few months ago, I was on on Instagram, rolling through my Instagram stories. I clicked on Gabby's story. There was this, like, I work in high fashion with a picture of the Rod's Western Store catalog. And, like, <laughs> this, like, exploded my brain, honestly, because I told her earlier, I have known a lot of people who have worked at Rod's. Most of them have been, like, on the sales floor part-time through college and that sort of thing. And I just never would have expected one of Katie's art friends to end up working at Rod's. And, uh... So explain yeah, what not Rods just any art is, <laughs> because yeah. only half of the listeners yes. are going to yeah. know what that so, is. I think I think the, you guys as listeners know Rods. That's Western true. Palace. Besides the ones that are outside of, of Ohio, <laughs> I feel like Rods is a pretty. We, if you buy Wrangler jeans from Walmart.com, they come from us. Really? Really? We, is we that why they're so the expensive? Yeah. Wow. How about that? So Rods Western Store is. Um, Everything, but yeah. boots and Western wear. Real expensive um, Western very wear. Very expensive Western wear. $500 um, boots. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and saddles probably and oh, some, the a saddle leather work and stuff like that. They're beautiful. Yeah. So what do you do for rods? I am the e-content, or I am the, do you what? even know? It's a weird title. I'm the e-commerce specialist, but I, the, we they call it the web content specialist at Rods. And um, that's when I got in. I worked at a print shop, and it was also very hillbilly, and I just can't get away from it. And um, You need a tinge of that in your life. I, I know. It's like, I do. I just like, it if somebody isn't hand telling hand me hand. to, like, stop being a pussy, I'm, I don't know who I am. True. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I had got into that because they're like, you're a young kid. Would you like to learn how to sell print services on the internet? And I'm like, sure. And they're like, figure it out. And we're going to be mean to you the whole time. Yeah. And it's like, I'm figuring this out for you. Welcome to the real world. I know. But it it was a shock. Um, (laughs) And then I was just like, I I looked for jobs for like six months. And I was driving to work. I started going on 71 North to my job. Mm -hmm. And like the third day, I started going this new way to work. I just looked over and there's this ugly, ugly building with like a horse on top. And I was just like, that's the one. I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling. I'm like, huh. And I didn't know what the feeling was. But I had a feeling about Rod's Western Palace. And then I was like looking for jobs that Sunday and there was Rod's. And all, all the qualifications was stuff I did like, and then some, actually my boss mm-hmm. has the job I used to have. And she gets, like, boss money, you know. Yeah. But that was, I was being completely exploited and completely overrun and terrified at my old place. But anyway, so I'm really glad because now I have less work and more money. (laughs) That's That's good. It's always good to work less than make more. Yeah. And they, like, they loved me. They were just like, come on. And I was like, okay, I had a feeling. Let's go to Rod's Western Palace. Yeah. So you run, like, the online content, essentially? I just upload stuff to Amazon and, uh. And uh, there's another girl who does it. She's wonderful. And, um, you know, we help out. Like, I set up for Congress. Or we're, we set up for all the different little shows sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's just working retail in the back. And oh, cool. Do you retail in the back. Business in the party. 
Gotta get my mullet back. Oh my gosh, there Gabby go. had the best mullet for I a while. I might get it back. You should. She's getting a fancy haircut this week. Yeah, it <laughs> very well could be a nice fancy mullet. I look good with a mullet. Shows off my dykeness. <laughs> <laughs> I want everybody to know. I never had more men hit on me than when I had that mullet. I think they thought it was a challenge. Oh, yeah. interesting. Or they're just like, homos are pervy. Let's see what she's up to. <laughs> I have a question, too. And if it's too personal, you don't have to answer it. But I, like, what was that part of your life, like, that experience for you growing up where you grew up in such a conservative place? I totally overblew it. And my friend overblew it more. Um, it was weird. Like, I loved boys. I had a little boyfriend. He was trash. He was a sweetheart. Um, had a different boyfriend. He was the one who died. Poor thing. And, um, and I liked them. I did like them. But I think as it became more about sex, because I just, you know, everybody wants attention and to be told sweet things. But as it became more about sex, I was just like, I just, I just don't know. And, um, and then I, we would make all these videos. Now I'm just telling you my coming out story. I'm just talking, talking. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to tell us if you don't want. I like it. It's a funny story. But I was watching these videos. I would make my, my friends. And I'm like, I seem to want her to sit on my lap. I'm, I'm seeing myself for the first time, and this is a lot. And I was in the International Order of the Rainbow for Girls. I love that about Obviously. you. Obviously. I need to know more about that. I don't know what that you is. You would have known in the 80s. It's the Masonic Youth Group. It's basically just like how like they prepare you to be a Freemason's wife back when that was an important thing to be. But Gabby was that. She is ready to be the wife of a Freemason. Okay. I would I would not I'd be, be the backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just become a very different person overnight. <laughs> but, the, you know, I loved going to Rainbow because I had, like, crushes on, like, five different girls in different Ironically seats. called the Order of the Rainbow. I was going to say Order of the they Rainbow not really made sounds like... Yeah. I thought they would, like, flip out, but, like... It's one of those things, shit. probably, that they're like, if we don't mention it, maybe no one will notice. Yeah. Even though it's the most obvious yeah. thing to notice. Also, if you, I, I guess if you're a religious organization, religious beliefs are what they are, but I feel, don't you probably kind of look like an asshole if you're like, not that kind of rainbow, though. Like you know, They do say that. They always say, like, we had the flag first. Really? <laughs> and I'm just like, that's funny. God yeah. always keeps his promises. That's right. That was the point of the rainbow girls. Anyway, coming out was fine. I was really scared. Um, but it was fine. I was like, I'll live in my aunt's house. Turns out my aunt was a lesbian the whole time. Wow. Wow. I knew she'd be cool. Surprise. So you knew you could live with her. Yeah, see? I didn't have to. My dad, I I got drunk on uh, Long Island iced teas on a cruise ship with my dad and my brother. And my brother's like, Gabrielle, don't ever do mushrooms. I almost jumped out of a window. And I'm like, mushrooms are my problem. What's your problem, Gabrielle? And my dad is just like in the corner. He's like, you don't like boys, do you? <laughs> and I was just like, ah! you know, the big sob. And like, they were totally cute. My dad barfed, but it wasn't like, it wasn't mean. It was fine. Wait, literally? He threw up? He threw up into a, a recycle bin, like for plastic bottles. So he had to push open the lid <laughs> and barf at the same time. <laughs> that takes some skill. Yeah. So, how cool. old were you at that point? I was like, 15. And I'm glad I got to be an early gay because, yeah. the like, there are people coming out now. Yeah. That's crazy. I don't envy that. I was going to say, I know people that are, like, our age that are still, like, either they're dating someone, but that person's, like, family and friends don't know yet. So mm -hmm. they're, like, and it's like, I can't imagine being in your mid 20s and being like, no, we can't talk about this anywhere, though, because my, my, my dad doesn't know or my mm -hmm. friends don't know or whatever. Like, yeah, my grandparents don't know. And, and, 
I'm sure they do. Amelia came, my grandma um, was like in a coma over Thanksgiving and my, like a, Amelia came to, so my, Amelia's my girlfriend, she came to the nursing home and she like put her hand on my back and said, called me hun like multiple times. She mentioned us sleeping in the same bed. I'm like, you're really doing great. <laughs> you are. You're pushing the boundaries very I mean, Candace and I sleep in the same bed a lot. Yeah. Very platonically. They know we live together. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, of course we live yeah, together. Girls can live together. Girls live together. We have two cats. <laughs> It's very really, platonic. A lot of sides. A lot of sides. <laughs> a lot of things that could add up by now. I was scared, though. And I realized I went to a rainbow event with Amelia recently. And I do, because I always was just like, Gabrielle, you are so overdramatic. You're just like, oh, I'm going to come out in the closet and everybody's going to hate me. But when I went to the rainbow event with Amelia, it was weird. And I just, it, nobody made it weird, but I felt ashamed. And I didn't remember feeling ashamed. But I remember now. So it was complicated. It is, I think, a lot of stuff, you're just told certain things your whole life or certain things are stereotypes or certain people will feel a certain way. And I think a lot of stereotyping is self-loathing. Like, I think that does happen a lot from whatever it is. You're just ashamed of something. And literally no one else is making you feel that way at Mm -hmm. all in a situation. And you can still hate yourself for it. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so where all can people find you? Should they find you at your website? How can they give you money so you can keep making dope-ass art? Mostly, I do have a Patreon. I don't have any patrons, but I haven't. But tried. you could be her first. You patron. could be, and I would really appreciate What's it. What's your monthly ask? I, I don't. I, if, if a thousand people give you a dollar, you get a thousand dollars, man. That's give me a dollar. <laughs> Simple math. There we go. Man, and we have like nineteen followers, so we could get you nineteen bucks. Because if I got maybe. to work even part time, because I'm a hard worker, I'm working eighteen hours a day every day. That's why I'm sad, Gabby, and not <laughs> and not old Gabby who used to rest. <laughs> but uh, if you gave me enough money to work part time, there would be many more books, possibly about the isolation in the agricultural spaces. That's right. That Tell them what they want to hear. Yes. I, I, you know, not everybody's doing heroin. Some people are working their asses off and having trouble navigating the world of this new world. Come on! Yeah, yeah, let's, I want to make art. Can you make the main character be loosely based off of Candace this time? Absolutely. Candace is an inspiration, and I think of her often. Oh, (laughs) those things are true. If you were going to write a character loosely based off of Candace, what would her name be? What do you think you would I'm name? not creative. I'm going with Candace right now. <laughs> it's Candace. I would Kathy. definitely catch on it was about me. <laughs> no, but Gabby Metz, if you just Google Gabby Metzler, my website is GabbyMetz.com, my Twitter, Instagram. Appreciate the followers. Um, I'm funny. You'll enjoy it. You'll she is. She is very funny. <laughs> we do. Oh, yes. the last thing, and I almost forgot. Gabby. Gabby and I met okay. in college. Oh, the story. Um, how could I forget? We met in college, and it was my junior year, her sophomore year, and we ended up studying abroad in Ireland together, but before that, we were in a Sculpture One class together, and we had a yard sale, which was a yard sale art sale that was very close to where we are all three sitting right now, and Gabby was trying to sell this sculpture she made, and all I need, and I will need a picture from you of it so that Mm -hmm. I can share with our followers, um... I need you just to describe in as much detail right now what exactly that sculpture was. Starting at the head, it's a it's a made of pantyhose and full of cotton, and it's a it's a got a gaping mouth, a gaping pantyhose mouth, two button eyes. They both fell off. It was a hermaphroditic <laughs> fat pantyhose baby 
with a little baby dick, huge ball sack, and and the breasts are the part of the pantyhose that holds it up on your calf. So that's perfect breast texture. And he had little toes. It was like so grotesque and cute. But the worst part was it was exactly baby size. And you know how women have hips when you have something that's baby size, you just put it there. So like you couldn't help but so hold him and side. carry him around. It was so gross. I always joke that I made like five friends when I made that baby. I was one of them. <laughs> that is that is when her. I was like, this Gabby girl, she gets it. Yeah. I just knew. That's yeah. what I knew. That's fair. So did you sell the pantyhose baby that day? I didn't. I had this girl who wanted it, but she wouldn't take it. You know, I was just like, here. And it's in my bedroom at home. I should bring it here. Yeah, why yeah, is it at your parents' house I, I and Sabrina not here? would probably eat it. <laughs> oh, can I see her walk around with that ball sack hanging out of her mouth? <laughs> All right, well, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I, I'm really excited. Oh, can we clink our glasses? I feel like that'll be a good noise. Yes. I'll clink this one. Okay. Yes, of course.